Bush and Richie here with your daily takeaway uh, podcast. Uh, this is this is a bit at the start of the podcast where we get to talk about stuff that maybe we, we can't really talk about on air. Mm-hmm. And there's an issue that's been going on, Richie, between us that you might not be aware of. Oh. That I felt like I need to bring up in a safe environment amongst friends. I'm worried because our producer's smiling. So this is something that the two of you have talked about, and I don't uh, know no, yet. What's this going on? This this may resonate with you, right? Okay. As soon as we finish the show at seven o'clock, yeah. uh, what will happen is we'll both put our bags on, and then we both normally creatures of habit will both go for a wee. Yes, well, we're both mid-40s now. We go for a wee, and then before we go and get on our trains. Uh, on a number of occasions, when you go out the door here, right, you can either go up for a wee, down for a wee, yeah. toilet upstairs, downstairs. We always seem to end up picking the same one. Yeah. And I end up going into the cubicle right next to you, like we both lock the doors at the same time. <laughs> and it's just, it's a little bit unsettling that I know that you're in there doing a wee, same time as like, I'm in there doing a wee. So I wonder whether we can come to an agreement, like maybe you will go upstairs... And I'll go downstairs, maybe Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and you can mix it up. Do you know what I mean? Just so we're not next door to each other, because it's too close. How about, um, I think it's a good idea to get a system going where we're not in closets next door to it's each other. It's not good. It's, I mean, I can hear you in there, like, coughing and that, or getting your bag on. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And all sorts. Yeah. Well, not that. Um, <laughs> how about we have a, a velvet bag... Where's this going? <laughs> Where's this going? What are we doing in the velvet bag? A velvet bag, two balls inside it. And what we right. do when the show finishes is... Finishes is... <laughs> oh, there's a little magic. What we do when the show finishes at four minutes to seven... Yep. Uh, ...is our producer, Adem, gets to dip his hand into the velvet sack and pull out a ball. Yeah, He's up for that. Look pull at his out face. a ball and he'll go... Bush will go. Bush will go, go to the upstairs, upstairs toilet. Can he rest them on like a little tray like you do with the FA Cup draw? <laughs> yeah, this is exactly what I'm thinking. <laughs> and then there'll be stats. There'll be sort of like in about three weeks' time, we'll see stats as to like who uses what toilet the most. Richie's been to the downstairs toilet 15 times in the past 10 weeks. Well, this is interesting. The last time Richie went to the upstairs toilet, he did a number two. <laughs> well, I think we've got a system there. That's fail safe. Thank you for sorting that out. Wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. The Daily Takeaway. Bush and Richie's Daily Takeaway. Uh, do you know what? It's a liberating feeling for me today. If something goes wrong today, you ever, it's like, like, you know, whatever you do for work, something goes wrong, it, isn't it lovely to kind of think, do you know what? I could just flounce out of here and I could do something else. Yeah. Well, today, after the morning I've had, I know that I could flounce out of here and be like, do you know what? I'm going to go and become a train driver. Oh, what, you've had a... you thinking a career change right now? Is that what's going on? No, I'm not thinking of it. You know, what we do is great fun. But I, I, I now know that it's a backup because this morning I had a fantastic morning driving a train uh, down <laughs> uh, a railway in Kent. <laughs> I'm so happy. Just to just to rewind, if you listen to last night's show, uh, Richie was going to stay in a hotel afterwards. We didn't know whether there were some issues with him or something like some problems. <laughs> he was on the run, but it was you were saying to head down to Dover and go yes. and do this thing. So you know how I love my my train simulators, yeah. Train Sim World Three, new one out next week, September the sixth. Uh, and so I went down and had a, a chance to have a drive of a of a real train uh, just north of Dover. Uh, and the guy who was teaching me for the morning when I finished, he said, "You know what? We'd sign you up. You're a natural. You're great. You're fantastic." Oh, wow. I can do it. I've had a go. So you technically can drive a train? Well, not technically. Bar the paperwork. Technically, I did. Well, you did, yeah. Yeah, technically, I did. If there was a movie and, like, someone goes, can anybody drive a train? I could now go, yes. That's an amazing thing. (laughs) 
And there's some amazing photos. Uh, if you look on Twitter at Absolutely Radio, uh, you in high, a bit of high vis. I think I suit high vis. I'd you have to say that as well. I feel very confident today. I'm making a lot of bold, pl- <laughs> bold, bold claims, but I've had a go at it. I can do it. Isn't it a wonderful feeling when you can say in life, yeah, I've had a go at that? Well, I'll never forget, right? We did uh, back, back when I used to work at a radio station in Bristol, for some inexplicable reason, that the governor of Hawfield Prison in Bristol was, right. was a fan of the show, invited us to have a, a look around. And he let me have a go on locking up one of the main gates. <laughs> <laughs> Which, look back on it now, I think it's like quite a bad thing to do if you're in charge of a prison. But, you know, like proper yeah. key on a chain. It was great fun. I had a go on that. So you've had a go locking up a prison. B-wing. I've had a go at driving a train today. If you have had the chance to literally just have a go at something, yep. tell us what it is. Might have been allowed to do something, have a go at something, have a try at something. Tell us what it was. What were you allowed to do? We want to hear about it. Annie Brooks has tweeted to tell us that she got to walk around the clock face of Big Ben at midday. I don't know if I'd want to do that. <laughs> You'd have to take ear defenders, surely. Do you know what? The, the, the reason I wouldn't want to do that is that I grew up right before Neighbours came along. They used to have a, a terrible black and white programme called Harold Lloyd. Do you remember that? Yeah, and yeah. He used to hang... There was a bit of him, like old-fashioned black and white, before talking in movies, hanging off the minutes hand of a, of a giant clock. Yeah. And I thought I'd never want to be anywhere near one of them. If you've had the chance to have a go at something, little try, just a little try, tell us what it is. Uh, Rob says, some bloke I met when travelling was a farmer from Ireland. I went over to visit him and I got to drive his tractor. There you go, another driving experience. What was it Love for you? Uh, Jodie's in Cambridge. She said that when she was 10, she had the chance to perform with Cirque du Soleil at the Royal Albert Hall. Only oh. a rehearsal, but still, she's done it, she's had a go. That's going to take some beat in that one. Loftboy, though, says on Twitter, I once opened Tower Bridge. It only involved pressing what? a button, but I had the power for a few seconds. That's incredible. That's the thing that we love about this, is that, yeah. that you must have felt so much power when you, you were driving that train. I certainly did, and when I, uh, uh, you know, honked the hall, well, let's not get into that. How was the hotel? <laughs> um, right, Tom. Uh, let's. He's hanging on. Let's chat to Tom. Tom, what did you get the chance? I had the chance to fly in three Russian jet fighters. Wow, give us the names of those jet fighters for any uh, plane buffs listening to the show. <laughs> so the more acrobatic ones are the MiG-29 and the Su-30. And the... Uh, World's fastest interceptor is the MiG-25, and in the version I got to go up in, that took me to about 85,000 feet and two and a half times the speed of sound. Wow! wow. I mean, obviously, like, we, were, we obviously watched the brilliant new Top Gun movie, which all, is all filmed in proper planes, those kind of planes, yeah. and it looks like yeah. it's quite hard on your body doing those, flying in those planes at that speed. Uh, the acrobatic ones, yes, to be fair. The, uh, the MiG-25 is also all about going very straight and very fast, so... Uh, kind of feels a bit boring somehow. I can tell you that uh, rolling around the Kent countryside at 15 miles an hour is not that hard on your body. <laughs> so, it still would have been a great experience, though, yeah, It was. It is. I, and I tell you, it's not the first time he's rolled around the Kent countryside. <laughs> and on a more serious note, Richie's come back saying he could technically drive one of them trains now. Uh, Tom, do you reckon you could fly a plane having been in a, in a MiG-29? Absolutely not. I was, I was essentially a passenger, you know, taxi passenger, and every now and then they let me take control, but not do anything exciting. Um, I wouldn't want to do anything uh, more than that, to be fair. Alex, uh, in uh, West Kent, uh, says my kids got me a taster light aircraft pilot experience for my 50th birthday. Really enjoyed it. The scariest thing was hearing the instructor say to me, you now have control, Alex. That's amazing, though. Uh, in terms of the instructor allowing someone to do that. I know. Just letting, you know, any Tom, Dick and Harry ever go. And Alex. And Alex. Uh, this text says, I had the pleasure of walking around a secret nuclear bunker. 
in Essex a few weeks ago, and it was an amazing experience in itself, says Darren from Canvey Island. Uh, we want to hear from you if you've had the chance to have a go at something like I did this morning, driving a train. Sharon, what did you have a go at? Driving an ice cream van. Wow, you got to go on an ice cream van. No, I drive it. It's, it's, my, it's my sort of... Um, my way of earning a, a small living at the moment. Hold oh. on, hold on, yeah, hold on. Job. Yes. So you had a go at driving an ice cream van and then it yes. took and now that's what you do? Yes. Wow, it's like that's an ice cream version of Victor Kayam and the Remington Fuzzaway. <laughs> he liked it so much he bought the company. <laughs> yeah, it does sound like that, doesn't it? It's it one does. for the kids. No, I certainly haven't bought the company, but uh, if they need somebody, they've got me because they were kind enough to train me up, so... Now I'm doing it. How long have you been doing it, Sharon? Oh, only about since uh, May, May, I think it was, when I first started. What, and what were you doing before? What was your previous career? Oh, I can't tell you that because you'd have to um, you'd have to put a clamping order on me. But I lost my job in the pandemic, so I used to work at Gatwick. Let me just say that much. Wow. Blimey, what a There's a change. Gatwick to um, Ice Cream Coast. She's used to queues. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and is, there, is there an ice cream that you like the most, Sharon, when, when, you're, when you're sending them to customers? Have you got a favourite ice cream you like to make or hand over? Oh, I like it when somebody asks me one I haven't made before. And then I can you know, mess about it and, and name it after the person who's at the window. Wow, so you can create your own ice cream. This is great. Can I ask an ice cream question? Why is it that when you guys start doing a Mr Whippy and you, like, pull down on the handle, the whole ice cream van sort of, like, shudders? Why is that? (laughs) (laughs) Well, mine doesn't. It's got one of the new ones. I say it isn't mine, but uh, it's a very modern van, this one. So it depends. We're trying not to use the diesel too much, for obvious reasons, the price and the environment. So quite often you have to go and switch everything on. So when it does that, obviously everything is going to shudder. And actually, I'm here at the moment and I have some customers. Well, listen, can you give us a little go on the the siren before before we let you go? Because it's been amazing to chat to you. Go on. I can't do that either. I've not been allowed to do that. I don't even know which tune it plays. Oh, wow. It's all changed the world, hasn't it? You know, I don't want to get in the way of your customers, but you've not even had a go on the, the, the tunes. No, hadn't ever. I wouldn't be able to tell you if it's green sleeves or Batman. Not a clue. Well, well this has really changed the whole ice cream game, hasn't it? Sharon, go and get your flake out, and uh, we'll 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 carry on with the show. All right? Okay, thanks a lot. This is Bush and Rich's Daily Takeaway. I took my eldest daughter Erin out for dinner the other night, a little Thai cafe. It's nice, isn't it? When you get to that stage, you know, your eldest mm. lad and your your daughter are the same. We can actually go out, go out with them, mm. you know, and have like a grown up chat. Uh, however, sometimes with with like grown up chats comes disagreements and this is where we're at at the moment uh, when we were in the restaurant we had a disagreement me and Eric right and I would like, ask for the help of uh, yourself Richie and the entire yeah. hometown audience to help settle this incredibly petty father-daughter disagreement oh the petty arguments are the fun ones it's a proper petty oh, disagreement okay but we argue, we literally argued about this all the way home and it's still unresolved so here we go this is the crux of the issue so Erin goes back to school next week yeah. and she starts year eight. So I said to her when we were walking out of the restaurant, oh, you're looking forward to being in year eight. It's going to be really different, etc., isn't it? And she said, I already am in year eight. And I was like, what do you mean? And it turns out that Erin thinks she's in year eight the moment year seven finishes. The moment. The moment. I think she's still in year seven technically until the day she walks back in to start year eight. Do you know what I mean? And we can't meet in the middle. We completely are opposite ends on this, and there's, and there's no resolution. Well, there is we no middle ground, really, is there? There's no no man's land, is there? No. I'd, I'd say I'd agree with you. Thank you. Uh, my logic being, 
obviously at the end of year seven you don't take exams, but but think about it, right? So if yep. you took, you get to the end of year eleven GCSEs. Uh huh. Imagine you don't do well at them, you then have to like retake, so you you wouldn't get the chance to be in the next year. So yeah, what then follows? I would think logic is that the school year doesn't start. You don't progress until it starts. Well, this—I mean, that was—that's yeah. I was just saying, like, you're still. I think you're, you're still. She's still a year seven kid. Sorry, Erin. I'm, I'm agreeing with your dad. Sorry, Erin. But I need, until you, you literally get signed in on the register that first day of school next week, still year seven. Yeah. In fact, if she missed the first day, you know, some kind of sniffle or whatever, I'd say she still hasn't started year eight. Yeah. The rest of her, rest of her mates will be year eight. Yeah. She's still, still she's, technically year she's seven. She's a year behind. Yeah. However, she just thinks the moment you walk out the door, the moment, the moment you walk out the door, year seven, bang, you're into year eight. So look. Just a bit of a consensus here, I don't know, you know, if you've got kids or you, you work in education or you just want to have a con- considered view on this, try and settle this incredibly petty argument. Um, Max says, standard birthday protocol. You are correct. The 90th minute in football occurs after 89 are completed, to use an illustration. If you're a Newcastle fan, don't get too annoyed about that as well. <laughs> uh, Caroline says, sorry, but your daughter is right. In younger years, they have transitioned to their new class before the end of the summer term. Jane says, this sounds like our house. We have silly arguments like this all the time with my kids i always say i know best but my kids always want the last word here's the crux of the issue of the disagreement i'm having with my eldest daughter erin uh, she goes into year eight next week she thinks she's technically year eight the moment year seven finished which i disagree with i think she's not year eight until she starts next week at the moment she's still year seven who's right this could be bad news for erin mark in witness says he's been a secondary school teacher for 17 years oh has he he's been through 17 of these summers you'd like to think he'd know She's in year seven until her first day back. Good on him, he's on side. Another Mark says, heading home, I agree with Erin. For example, you can cl- you can claim you're on holiday the moment you finish work, not when you get off the plane. Almost a Mr Miyagi-like. That's a good point. Dean's another Mr Miyagi, says you are correct, Bush. Using your daughter's theory, you'd be in year one the moment you were born. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, let's go to Claire. Advice on this, what do you reckon, Claire? So, in Scotland, I think your daughter's right, in Scotland, uh, the kids move up a year before the summer holidays start. So technically, she would be year eight. So what you b- before you've even finished the academic year up there, then they 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 yeah. go up a year. They've gone bang straight up to the next yeah. year. Yep. Wow. Do about four weeks. They do about four weeks in their new year before they finish up. I think it's to it's like a transition thing. So oh, what, four weeks and then you get your summer holiday, but the the, the year's already started. Yeah. Fascinating. Why are you not playing yeah. it up there? What's going on? <laughs> and you call it different names as well. What's it called? You call it high school. Is it called high school? Uh, high school, yeah. So is she going into... So she, I think your daughter might be going into first year, um, which would be the equivalent of first year up here. So so you finish primary seven, and then you go up to high school. It's too complicated. The thing is, Claire, <laughs> technically, she's still in year seven because she's in London. She's south of the border, no. so maybe it doesn't apply. Your logic up north doesn't apply. Maybe, see, maybe her head's in Scotland. Maybe she knows. Her heart, you know. You can text the show eight twelve fifteen. Dave says, "Why not compromise and say Bush's daughter is in year seven point five? That's not really going to help." <laughs> Any other advice from that? Keep it coming into the show. It's home time on a Thursday, look. Uh, speaking of Dave's, you head home with us, but you wake up with the Dave Burley Breakfast Show. Uh, Dave will be on the hunt for something uh, next week. Uh, oh. It could be life-changing. Uh, it is claimed the most ambitious thing the show has ever tried to do. What are they going to be doing? What are they up to? Life-changing hunt. It starts on Monday. I tell you what, if you if you follow us on Twitter at Absolute Radio, there's a, photo, a lovely photo of the team back together because Glenn's back from Beautiful, yeah, lording it up yeah. in Edinburgh. Look at Dyson's eyes. 
He's gone. He's absolutely gone. I've never seen anything like it. Do us a favour, have a look at that and try and work out what they're up to. My eldest daughter is going into year eight next week. She thinks she's in year eight at the moment. I think she ain't in year eight until she walks through the door next week. She's still in year seven. Uh, Tony says, you're both wrong. If you're out for dinner and have finished the main, then you're between courses until pudding arrives. She's between years. Uh, obviously, um, our Scottish friends muddled the waters uh, earlier, a little bit earlier, didn't they? I'm still confused by the whole Scottish education system. Uh, this text here says, a teacher in Wales, I would say when you finish year seven, you're just a kid and free to enjoy your holidays. Then in September, you start year eight at the point of registration. feel like it's clarifying a little bit. Jonathan says, this uh, varying logic does make me wonder when a Premier League team gets relegated in May, are they still a Premier League team until the season starts for them in the Championship in August? Uh, Rebecca, Year 7, Year 8? It is definitely a Year 8. Hey, hey, what the... What, what? What's she working on that? Working on it is we did our registers um, literally today for the new, for the Year 8, so they got moved up today. Oh, so you, are, you, are you a teacher? No, I work in the office, so we do the... Um, Registered. Oh, okay. So you're, you're the, the stern faced person that, that if you're running late, you have to sign a book in front of. Is that, is that you? 100%, yes. <laughs> okay. So that is interesting. So it's literally today that Erin has literally moved into today year eight. That everyone moved in. All of their, their, their form rooms changed. All of their stuff got moved up. Wow. It's, it's weird that it's coincided with the transfer deadline day in terms of faxing across <laughs> details of football players as well, isn't it? George Smith says you're all wrong. The beginning of the academic year is the 1st of September, so technically the start of year eight is today. I think the whole thing with the disagreement between me and Erin, my eldest daughter, and, and what year she's in at school is unresolved, I'm We've afraid. We've tried so We've tried. hard to get an answer on it. One thing that he has evoked for me is that it's a real shame as an adult, whether Erin is year seven or year eight, uh-huh. one of the things that definitely happened at this time of year when we were at school, it was a chance for new school bags, a chance for new pencil case, new stationery, oh. a refresh as an adult for new pens, new work bag, that kind of thing. That'd be great, having an excuse for that. Loved all that stuff. You go in there now as well, and there's no real need for it. I don't need any. I don't need a pen that if you click different bits of it, it gives me a different <laughs> colour nib. It's a shame that I don't. Wouldn't it be great if Absolute Radio had school years? What year do you think we'd be in? I reckon, I feel like we are... Reception. Reception, or... or, or <laughs> see, I don't know what the modern phrase of calling it is. You know, like, second year, uh, second yeah, year yeah, school. Yeah. A little bit cocky on the school bus. Yeah. Not sat at the back, but the, the seat's close to it, hoping to get there in the end. Ironically, we're year eight. There you are. This is Bush and Rich's Daily Takeaway. Daddy, what are gingerbread... That's Sorry, you're not, um, you're not referring to me as... That's, <laughs> that's Rocco asking you a question, right? Is <laughs> All right, Daddy, I just want to clarify... What... What are gingerbread men about? Ooh. Ooh. About, one, what it? are they about? What are they about? That's, that's like goes to the very core of the existence of a gingerbread man, isn't it? it exactly. I, I, I stood there and I was, I was absolutely swayed by this, thinking, well, how do I answer this one? What are they about? How do you get into the head of a gingerbread man? Why did they even start in the first place? Gingerbread's fantastic, but who decided that the most common way that we would eat it is in man form? It's just very strange. The weirdest thing is, right, with a lot of stuff, like British stuff, you know, tradition, the, the more you dig, it's always kind of like a weird like start to it, like wicker or Morris dancing or <laughs> witchcraft. or You know, because at the end of the day, it's, it's, a, 
it's a mini man that you then like decide which part of his limbs you're going to eat first. And it, I don't know whether it's like there to punish someone or it's, it is like someone out of uh, the Crucible or, uh, you know, uh, the witch trials over in Salem. It's, it can be a bit unsettling when you really think about it. But if you know, tweets to Absolute Radio, please. What is a gingerbread man about? Um, Doug says about five inches tall. Scott says about £3.50 in Greg's. And Jason says for you, probably about two bites. Hey, that's, is he having a pop there? I think so. The weirdest thing is about Gingerbread Man, uh, the story of it is very weird. My, my middle daughter, Thea, uh, when she was about like two, was obsessed with, you know, they always want to have a look on your phone at YouTube and all that kind of stuff. She was obsessed with the story of the Gingerbread Man uh, and she used to want to watch it every single morning. And you talking about this is taking me right back to when <laughs> she was little, little. Have a listen to this. This is what I used to have to watch right. every single morning when she just got up. I'm starting to get the lovely smell of gingerbread. Must be done by now. She's about to eat Let him. Let me go and check. She's going to eat him. The lady put on her oven gloves and went to open the oven door. But as she did, the gingerbread man got up from the baking tray and jumped out of the oven. Good heavens, what was that? Before she realized what was happening, the gingerbread man ran to the open window, jumped out, and in a second was running down the garden and out into the street. And there he is. He's just running off. So the gingerbread <laughs> man was going to get eaten, and then he thought, I tell with this, I'm just running off, and he just starts tricking loads of animals and stuff. He's an absolute nightmare. He's a hoodlum. Jumping out of windows isn't to be advised either. I don't think I can ever eat one again. You should see the speed of him as well. You know, little things when they run, like a, like in a, like a Stephen King horror novel, like uh, Cat's Eyes. You remember that movie? Short <laughs> yeah. stories about gremlins. It's like that. So when you really think about it, I, I would urge Rocco not to ask too many questions about Gingerbread Men because I don't think he's going to like what he gets back in response. But one final thought uh, about the question, what is a Gingerbread Man about? Phil has tweeted us, Bush. Uh, with this very short story, a gingerbread man sits inside a gingerbread house. He thinks to himself, is this house made of flesh or am I made of house? And he screams. That is the darkest thing I think anyone has ever texted or tweeted. I think Phil needs to have a long old look at himself and seek uh, help immediately. This is Bush and Rich's Daily Takeaway. Andy Bush here, purple shirt, Richie Firth there. Black shirt, brown trim. Producer Adem, kind of a lilac fruit of the loom T-shirt going on. Now, we love you guys uh, without condition, and sometimes the thing that horrifies Richie and I is the thought that after this show, you guys might get into a family argument about choosing a movie because no one can decide what to do. That's why we've created a thing that we do every Thursday night called The Film Club. Someone gets in touch, asks us for a certain area of recommendation, then we crowdsource it with you lot and come up with some great films. Hometime at absoluteradio.co.uk is a great way to get in touch. It gives you that chance to email and just give us a bit more of an explanation of the situation you're in needing for the film. And there's nothing better than getting a little ping because we've had had an email come through from a listener. Susan Sidney has uh, given us uh, a little ping with uh, her email. Says, my partner and I have just got a new puppy. Aww. And when he barks, my partner thinks the dog is saying yes. I've tried to send you the sound file of it, but my computer won't let me. Oh, does he do sausages? He must do sausages as well. (laughs) Maybe he'll grow into that. Anyway, Susan says, could you pick a film with a talking animal for the film club tonight? Oh, could we ever? I love this one. That's a curveball we're expecting (laughs) this week. Isn't it? Yeah. Sit down with the puppy. Well, I'm going to go straight in with B-movie. 
That's a great movie. Oh, I love, love, love Seinfeld. Jerry Seinfeld yeah. in it. I'm sure there's other famous people I can't remember, but um, we only watched it again the other day, and it still holds up pretty well, looks pretty good. It's a great story to it, and, of course, Talking Beasts. Very good film. Uh, I'm going to go... Uh, is he a mouse, Stuart Little? I think he is. Yeah, he's a mouse. He's not a rat. I've just got rats on my mind in the loft. Um, Stuart Little. What, not... is it, what happens in that? What does he do? Well, the Little family adopt a mouse called Stuart, but the family cat wants rid of him. It's quite simple. This is this friction within the family home. Yeah, you've got Hugh Laurie, you've got Eugenia Davis, you've got your Michael J. Fox uh, voicing in that Stella one. Stella cast. M. Night Shyamalan uh, with the screenplay, so quite some pedigree. I was on Sky Sports News, I think Everton just signed him up front. <laughs> I should, uh, what ever happened to M. Night Shyamalan? Do you remember in his crazy twists? He did The Village. Yes. He did The Sixth Sense and all that kind of stuff. And Stuart Little. And Stuart... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's why he doesn't want getting out. People remembering that he did Stuart Little. This is an absolute uh, bombshell expose, eh? <laughs> really Mary Shalaman did Stuart Little. Film Club up and running. We're looking for films with talking animals in. <laughs> <laughs> Suzanne's got a new dog. Her other half uh, thinks the dog talks. They want a talking animal movie. He's lost his mind. I'd say so. Her other half's absolutely lost it. <laughs> <laughs> I was one I forgot to mention earlier on. I remember specifically, you know, when you, you're a kid and you go and watch movies in the cinema, which are still kind of, you're in that kind of between stage between being like a kid and then a teenager. Yeah. I remember me and my brother Simon going to watch Aristocats <laughs> at the cinema in, in uh, Timmouth. Do you remember Aristocats? I do, I do, yes. Oh, man. <laughs> they were talking in that, that's for sure. Right, we have Annie, Maisie, and Eliana on the phone. Guys, which film are you voting for? Oh, it's got to be Shrek with Donkey, because nobody beats Donkey. It is one of the best animal, talking animal, animated characters of all time played by Eddie Murphy, that, isn't it? Yeah, and perfect when you've got kids in the back of the car. Very Which true. at the moment. Thank you for letting us know. That's uh, handy. We'll uh, mind our language. We'll mind our language. And we're coming to the tail end of the school holidays of the kids being well-behaved then in the back of the car. Uh, they are, and we've had the discussion, and uh, Eliana is probably year 5 and 11 twelfths. <laughs> it gets confusing, doesn't it? I know, I know. And then I have a college student now who enrolled today, so she is a legit college student. Wow, so they're all grown up quick, aren't they? Well, listen, give us a big cheer from the car as we say thank you very much for getting involved. Multiple votes for Shrek there. Oh, yes. Um, Sally says a dog's purpose. Oh, my goodness, I remember seeing that in the cinema. Sally's quite right. Says, you went to see this in the cinema? I did. Like with your kids? No, 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 no. Really? Just, just me. Oh, wow. Uh, have the tissues ready, says Sally. Not a talking animal as such, but you get to hear what the dog is thinking or wants to say. Um, listen to this one-line synopsis of the movie. A dog looks to discover his purpose in life over the course of several lifetimes and owners. Right, now, I, I don't know, and I don't know when this came out, I would say that you were going with a girl to this film to try and impress the girl. <laughs> to come across as being all kind of sensitive and that. <laughs> Am I right? Um, maybe. Well, there you go. Told you. Ballpark. I know him. I know him better than he knows himself. <laughs> Let's move on. Stu on the line. Stu, what movie are you suggesting? Uh, Dogs versus Cats. Dogs versus Cats? I've never heard this film before in my life. It's uh, it's about 10, 12 years old. It's like um, it's like real life, like dogs and cats that sort of like speak. It's basically a good versus evil sort of thing. So right. the cats are like pure evil. And the dogs sort of like have to like basically save the world. It's oh, older than you think. It's now actually twenty one years old. Oh my lord! Is it? Yes, 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 oh. yes. Oh, I'm uh, even older than I think. Thanks Alec so Baldwin, Toby Maguire, and Jeff Goldblum. 
Um, he's got five out of ten on IMDb. It's not a great score. That's a bit harsh, I think. I think that's a bit harsh. And what are cat lovers? How are they feeling about the cats being portrayed as you know inherently evil in this film? Well, obviously, I don't, I don't know. I'm a, dog, I'm a dog person, so I think it's bang on. <laughs> <laughs> Could it be that a lot of cat uh, cat lovers go on IMDb, and that's why it's got such a low rating? Yes, yeah, like... I think I think it's the cat. It's all, it's all the the. Uh, all the crazy cat ladies have given it that score. That's given it a thumbs down, absolutely. <laughs> Those are the words of Stuart and Elsmere Port and not of the Bush and Ritchie show. <laughs> this has been one hell of a film club, hasn't it, so far tonight? Has been looking for uh, the finest movie with a talking animal in it uh, for Suzanne and uh, her new talking puppy. Well, that's what her other half thinks. Uh, that's why they're after uh, a, a talking animal movie uh, tonight. It's probably one of the most curious requests we've had on the film club. It's got me thinking, though, and I like it. And it's it's got people very passionate about it. This one says, sorry, but everyone is wrong so far. Homeward Bound, by far the best talking animal film ever. Tissues at the ready, says Jacko, sat on the caravan balcony in Cleethorpes, soaking up the last bit of the summer sun. Uh, we've never heard of it, but Scott has, because he also says Homeward Bound is the best talking animal film wow. ever. Two very passionate people. In fact, those texts are right next door to each other. I wonder whether they're in the same van. Or adjacent uh, caravans. <laughs> yeah, they're just trying to corral it. Well, here's the thing, right? Do do we recommend a film that you and I know nothing about? That we don't we don't know any details about it? Can can we endorse and rubber stamp that for the Home Time Film Club? It's a tricky one because tricky, the, isn't it? the other thing that I would say is do we actually decide on a winner that we haven't spoken about yet? But if you're talking about sheer volume of texts of people suggesting a film, then you'd have to say Babe. Lot about, of lo- lot of love for Babe. Lot of love for Babe, the talking pig. Clive in Ipswich says no discussion, no negotiation or capitulation. It has to be Babe. And as a little side note, he says, Farmer Hoggett, the main character in it, oh, yeah. is named after a sheep that is technically between one and two years old. Wow, that's pretty good, isn't it? <laughs> is, that, is that to do with between year seven and year eight from earlier on? <laughs> Let's go with Babe. The Daily Takeaway. Bush and Richie's Daily Takeaway. So there you go. There's another podcast uh, in the bag. Uh, thank you again for, uh, for resolving very amicably our um, being in this adjacent toilet situation. I mean, and you've, we've come up with an idea that is very akin to the FA Cup draw mm. on BBC. I wonder if it could be televised, this uh, Adam pulling upstairs, downstairs, out of the bag like you've come up with. It's good week. idea. Good idea. Yeah, I like to see that. It. They like that kind of thing on the socials and the Absolute Radio socials. Do that like a live stream. We'd be willing to do that for extra content for you guys, the where fans. Would we, where would we procure a velvet sack from? We'd have to... I, I, one of us should email the FA and say, where do you get your... Because it's no oh, ordinary velvet bag, is it's it? It's not, no, I've it's drawstring. I've got some at home. I'll bring some in. What are you doing with a couple of velvet uh, bags like that? Ah, oh, I guess if you're going to have handcuffs, you've got to keep them in something... <laughs>